Hi, I'm Oki, and welcome to Tell Me About Your Book. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Tell Me About Your Book. I am floored and honored to be sitting with author Jacqueline Jules. She is an author of more than 50 children's books. And I, I am so enamored by all this. This is so amazing to me. Um, her recent publication is a book, a middle school grade book called My Name is Hamburger that was out October 1st. And if you guys see this book, I think it's the cutest thing and I'm so excited. Um, hi, Jacqueline. How are you today? Fine, thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. I feel like I don't know how you had time to talk to me, actually, because there's so much going on with this world that you have created, all these amazing books. I Where should we start? Well, I, I'd like to start talking about my book, My Name is Hamburger. Uh, as you said, it was released by Carbon Publishing on October 1st. This verse novel was inspired by my own childhood growing up oh. in a small southern town as the daughter of a Jewish-German-speaking immigrant. And in this book, in My Name is Hamburger, Trudy Hamburger is the only Jewish kid in the small southern town of Colburn in 1962. Nobody okay. else at her school has a father who speaks with a German accent or a last name that means chopped meat. Trudy doesn't want to be the girl who cries when Daniel Reynolds teases her or the girl who hides in the library to avoid singing Christian songs in music class. She doesn't want to be different. But over the course of a few pivotal months, as Trudy confronts her fears and embraces what she loves, including the things that make her different from her classmates, she finally finds a way to say her name with pride. Now, I call this book the book of my heart. I am the author of over 50 children's books on a wide variety of topics. I have written about the U.S. Constitution, a giant mythological oh, wow. bird, Pluto's demotion, Rabbi Akiva, goblins, a boy with magic sneakers, and an eclectic mix of other topics. But until my name is Hamburger, I did not write a book which recalled my own emotions as a Jewish child of an immigrant father growing up in Southern Virginia during the 1960s. Like Trudy and my name is Hamburger, my father spoke with a thick German accent. His name was Otto. Trudy's story is an imagined story in a fictional town, but her emotions as she struggles with bullying and self-esteem were drawn from my own personal experience. And I hope that young readers will see themselves in Trudy's journey to self-acceptance, and they will learn, as Trudy did, to declare their identity with pride. That's perfectly said. I really, really appreciate how you told me about this book. This is, this sounds so amazing. Since you've written so many other books, what made you wanted to start with this Trudy journey? Because this is based off from what you're, how you grew up. What made you go to that? 
Well, you know, that's a, that's an interesting question. I mean, I started in the children's book world like many, not all, but many children's authors kind of start by doing retelling folk tales. I've been doing this a long time. And, and when I started, I was a school librarian and I enjoyed sharing folk tales and stories with my students. Uh, I got the bug to write my own stories to tell mm-hmm. with my students. Some of my books are actually stories I created for story time with my own students and then later formed into a book. I don't know where I got the the desire to suddenly write about my own childhood because this has uh-huh. been such this has been a very, very, very long journey for me. I started this book maybe 20 years ago. Oh, and my wow. first versions of it were in prose. It didn't really work in prose. When I finally started writing it in verse, then the the book had the emotional arc and the emotional intensity that it needed. So my first prose versions didn't work. They were much shorter than this. They didn't tell the same, they didn't tell as rich a story. What I started and put down many times over the years, it's a little unusual for a middle grade novel not to have a list of acknowledgments, but I couldn't put a list of acknowledgments in there because after 20 years, I couldn't remember all the different people who had read all the different versions (laughs) that helped me along the way. And I knew that I wouldn't be able to sleep at night because I knew that somebody important would be left out. So I just ended up dedicating the book to my father. That's really nice. Do you think writing all those other children's books and novels and what have you helped you finally complete My Name is Hamburger? Well, I think that my experience with writing these other books made me, certainly helped me hone my craft. I I think it's called The Thousand Hour Rule by Malcolm Gladwell. He talks about how, is that the name of the book? I know his books, but I don't know which yeah, you're talking about. Sorry. Wrong, but, but <laughs> he, you know, his thesis in this book is that, that when you practice and practice and practice and practice, that's when you become good at things. And he mm-hmm. talks about how people like the Beatles didn't just enter the scene without all these hours of practice. They, they had hours and hours of practice because they went to, um, I think they went to Germany. They did their thousand hours there. Bill Gates and Microsoft that as a child, he worked for hours and hours. And and I think that the more you write, the better you get at it. Good writing is only rewriting. You have to have the persistence and the courage to reimagine and rewrite a story over and over and over again until you get it right. Did you always wanted My Name is Hamburger as a middle school grade novel? Now, I know you said beginning it was supposed to be, I guess, a prose, a regular book, but it shifted. So I guess when you get to that middle school grade level, it felt right. Can I say that? It felt like that's where it belonged. Or did you have more difficulty with that? That's a very, that's really a very interesting story because I had always wanted to write a story about a little girl who had been teased for her name. I started My Name is Hamburgers in prose and it wasn't working and I put it down. I, I actually don't know how many years later I did because I can't remember what year this book <laughs> Sorry. I have a picture book called Picnic at Camp Shalom and it's about a little girl named Carly Hamburger who goes away to sleepaway camp and she meets a little girl named Sarah Frankfurt. 
and they oh. realize and they have a misunderstanding of course <laughs> but they realize while they're at camp that they're both children who at home have been teased for their names and they create this very special bond while they're at summer camp Carly Hamburger and Sarah Frankfurter because the novel that I had worked on about a little girl named Carly Hamburger didn't work I wrote a picture book and that picture book did sell and was beautifully illustrated and did do well. And now I thought, oh, well, maybe I've told that story. But then I decided that I would try again and I would imagine Carly Hamburger's grandmother in the year that I grew up in. And I changed her name to Trudy. And as I said, the book went through many, many, many different versions, reimagined many times. Actually, most of my books have gone through many, many different versions. I can't say enough, good writing is only rewriting. You just have to have the courage to try again. And that's really honorable to to hear, honestly. I, I hear about a, a lot of struggles with writers and editing is the key almost, you know, editing it four, five, six, seven, eight times. But that passion for the writing does come through. And when you read it, you can certainly feel all the hard work. You say four or five, six times. I would say that the vast majority of my work has gone through 50 drafts at least. <laughs> Just hearing about children's books, I don't give it enough credit, or I guess people don't give enough credit. I talked to a different author and she says that picture books are just as amazing and even more hard work actually because I feel like when you write a novel if anything you can add more a little bit more you know not saying it's easy because I I didn't write a book but to edit down for a children's book I think that's even harder. (laughs) Picture books rely on economy of language every word I mean, it's like almost every word has to go on trial. Picture books are very much like writing poetry. And I've always written poetry. And so all my years of writing poetry was very good practice going back to the thousand hour rule (laughs) for writing picture books, because every word has, I mean, every word has to have a reason to be there. Every word has to move the story forward. There's conciseness, heightened emotion that every word has to pack a punch. My years of writing poetry have really helped me write picture books and also write my verse novel, My Name is Hamburger. So I saw that you do have something called poetry for the classroom. And this kind of leads to talking about that. Is that like a collection, like a book collection that you have? Or is it more? I don't know. Can you explain more? Well, I'm a t- I was a school librarian for many years. And I also do school presentations. And mm-hmm. before the pandemic, I did more in person. But since then, I've been doing quite a few online <laughs> Zoom like everybody. Right. Oh, man. <laughs> and I used to go around and do a poetry workshop, and, oh. which I now do online. You know, I guess at some point I will do it in person again. But in the last few years, I've only done it online. Before the pandemic, I would go around and do poetry workshops. And I had a series of this is a this is Tag Your Dreams, Poems of Play and Persistence. Um, this is a collection of sports related poems. And I did a poetry sports workshop. And I would in- encourage the students students to talk about their favorite sport and to write about their favorite sport. And I also encourage students to talk about their dreams. The very first, uh, the title poem in this um, collection is called Tag Your Dreams. It's very short. I'd like to... um, I'd like to read it if it's okay. Oh, I would love it. I also like students to talk to me about their dreams 
Because wow. for me, writing was it was a dream for years. And mm. I wrote this poem at a point in my uh, writing career where I was worried I would never... I would never sell another book. I had sold a few and then I could kind of, I felt like my career had stalled and it wouldn't go forward. And I was feeling discouraged. So I wrote this poem as a pep talk to myself and it's called Tag Your Dreams. Play tag with your dreams. Chase them till you're breathless. Dreams have strong legs, but so do you. Keep running with your arm out, fingers reaching. Don't let them get away. And ah. it's really, I really love the illustrations in this. This was published by Albert Whitman um, just as the pandemic began in um, spring of 2020. It has some really gorgeous illustrations for each poem. And I'm really, that, that's another book of my, I, you know, I mean, you can't call all your books a book of your heart, but also a book that's very special to me because um, it was my first collection of, of poetry for young, for young people. Wow, Jacqueline, this is so amazing. I'm telling you guys, I know it's a children's book and poetry for children, but I feel like a young kid. I get to be read by you, the author, and even just that poem alone makes me, one, wanting to read the rest, regardless I'm older now or me wanting to gift this to my little niece and nephew. This is just so fascinating. And I thank you for you doing that. And I'm not just sitting here fangirling alone because I feel like anyone who listens to this will be just as excited and and in awe. So thank you again. I wrote the Tag Your Dreams was also written over a, a period, a very, very long period of, of years. As a mom, I would go to sports and sporting events with my kids. And I felt like that there were so many metaphors in the determination of young athletes and that and I started writing I mean I wrote some of these poems where I was what when I was watching baseball games out in the field <laughs> you know <laughs> on a on a lawn chair and right. I mean I started them when my son was like 12 or something and he's now 41 so it was a long time <laughs> and I mean I have a lot of projects that I started and have just worked on and put down and worked on and put down over the years and and finally after many years came together and uh, I was lucky enough to find some get them published you have several series of these children's books and one of them is called Zapato Powers can you talk a little bit about that because I was looking at it and it just looks so fascinating I was a elementary school librarian, as I said, and Zapato Power grew out of my years as an elementary school librarian. I taught at a school in Northern Virginia called Timberlane Elementary, and my students lived in an apartment building behind it called Timberlane Apartments. My students were always asking for students for books about superheroes, and I didn't have enough books about superheroes. And oh. finally, I decided I was going to imagine one of my students at my school who had superpowers. And so Zapato Power is about Freddie Ramos, who has super-powered purple sneakers that allow him to run 90 miles an hour. We're now <laughs> on book number 13, Freddie Ramos and the Beach Monster, is coming out in spring of 2023, and I'm actually working on book number 14 right now. Um, it's been very exciting to see this character grow. Yeah. And 
he gains new powers as, as the series has gone on. He's gained new friends. Many of the, the books have been inspired by students because I wrote the first, you know, the first book where he gets his powers, the second book where he controls his powers, the third book where he gets to really do something big with his powers. Cause this, I always wanted to imagine a elementary school student who lived in the real world had these special powers. I wasn't sure how I was going to go on with this series. Many students have given me ideas for plots. And so now we're on book number 13, because when I went to school visits, students gave me ideas. (laughs) And when I read them in classrooms, students gave me ideas. And so it's been very exciting to see this. um, I mean, the character, when you write a character for this many this many books, the character becomes a person in and of himself. So when I write these books, I hear Freddie's voice in my head. It's almost like he's telling me the story. And (laughs) I can look at the thing. I said, that's something Freddie would say. (laughs) That's how Freddie would think. (laughs) Thank you for that. I almost feel like I want to keep reading about Freddie as he grows older and older, but yet you want to keep him still young because he's he's you know trying to control his powers or he has his amazing powers almost kind of you want to keep him that same I guess age as much as I want to be like hey I wonder how he acts as a teenager or you know it's because I'm older now and I don't want I want to see these little characters grow up so much. (laughs) Freddie has gone, uh, has changed grade levels and teachers, uh, I think twice, but he's not going to change grade levels or teachers anymore. He's going to stay where he is. I love that. Um, I definitely love that. I wonder if if some of your fans would be like, but I'm older now too. (laughs) I want to see Freddie. Yeah. One of the big, big questions, the students, I mean, I got the idea of magic sneakers from my own children because Whenever I get, you know, took them to the shoe store, they felt like they could run faster with their <laughs> new shoes. The New York Marathon, I think in 2018 or 2019, there was a lot of discussion in the news about how they thought the winner, the shoes that the winner was wearing helped them. I mean, everybody uh, sort of feels like when they get new shoes, they can run faster. Oh, so yeah, that was something. Absolutely. But a lot of students were asking me, what happens when Freddie outgrows his his superpowered shoes. And so <laughs> right. book, number, book number six answers that question. Okay, good to know. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I feel like I want to go down the pathway of all your books because I'm so fascinated. But let's jump to another book that you had out almost, I'm sorry, during this fall because you had My Name is Hamburger. What's your What's your other one? Well, this is The Porridge Pot Goblin. And it oh was inspired so <laughs> by the invisible demons described in rabbinic literature. These demons leave tracks. They're invisible, but they leave tracks which resemble a rooster's footprints. And in The Porridge Pot Goblin, a brother and sister outwit a mischievous goblin who threatens to disturb their Sabbath. Trapping the goblin not only takes ingenuity, but teamwork and courage. Now, fears can be really disabling, and I wrote the final drafts of the Porridge Pot Goblin during the height of the pandemic, when every (laughs) surface seemed unsafe. And it was very empowering to write about an invisible goblin who was subdued (laughs) by two (laughs) Uh, This This book is also a really great example of revision, because I also, I got the idea 
to write a book about mischievous goblins in 2004. So my first attempt to write about, you know, invisible goblins, I set the story in Eastern Europe with Jewish characters who were frightened by goblins who snatched their kerchiefs and dumped flour and did all kinds and made shrill noises. And the villagers in my first drafts were so frightened that they hid under their beds and bemoaned the ability to fight what they couldn't see. And then two brave children saved the day. But the story was very peopled with adults and it was very long. It was like 1500 words. And most picture books these days are only 500 or, or 600 words. This manuscript that I picked up during the pandemic, I saw, you know, cause as I said, I write things and I pick them up and put them down. I, I was looking for things to do during the pandemic, like everybody. At home. <laughs> so I found this old manuscript and I saw that at 1500 words, it was way too long and it had way too many adults in it. Most picture books center on children. So I reimagined it. I looked at it critically. I focused on the two child characters. I continued to revise. The original plot details disappeared. A story emerged just of a brother and sister who worked together to trap the goblin in their home. Now, the final manuscript, this book, doesn't contain a single line from the first draft that I started before. Oh. <laughs> I mean, the setting in Eastern Europe remains the same, but the story um, takes place in a single home, not in a village, and the characters use a different method to trap, to defeat the goblin. So like these three-toed tracks of a goblin, I kept following my ideas until, until they led me to a better story. Wow. I feel like you have such a wide range and you being the school librarian, I'm sure really helped with that besides your own, your own passion for it. Absolutely. Being a school librarian was the best. Yeah. You know, I, I said writing poetry is great for writing picture books, but being a school librarian, I wanted to know my collection. If a student recommended a book to me, I always read it. I read, I read, I still read children's literature every day. I, I don't read too many adult books, but I read uh, children's books all the time. And also a big part of my job was to do read alouds. So I would spend every day reading books aloud with children. That was a large part of every day. So I got to see what they liked and what they didn't like, the pacing. That was wonderful background for writing for children. When I write, I still think about classes and how they would react to a story. Is there one that's more difficult than the other? Middle school versus, let's say, the shorter storybooks for like first and second graders and whatnot, or it has its own challenges, I'm guessing. Each book has its own challenges. A picture book, you can use richer language because it's a book that an adult reads to a child. Easy to read has the challenge of having to use words that a child can read on their own. A middle grade novel, you have the opportunity to develop your characters more and, and write a, you know, a, a more involved story, but that it's also, that also is a challenge of its own. Each kind of story has its different, I mean, as a writer and as a reader, I don't, I don't restrict myself to one genre. I like to read all kinds of things. I like to write all, all kinds of things. As far as your publishing, though, now you've had so many books under your belt. Are you having issues with publishing as well? Or you have a really good relationship by now? I feel like you have so many different varieties. This is just really, really cool to 
get all sorts of stuff from you. Publishing is a business and uh-huh. um, like any business, it's, it's, and it's an entertainment build business. So it, the road to publication for every book is always a challenge. And like any writer, I'm always worried that the next, I'm not going to sell another book. <laughs> So it's always a challenge. I have more than one publisher. Every publisher has their own list and I can write a story that maybe they've just bought a similar type of story so they can't use mine. And so it's a challenge to find a home for every manuscript. So where can we get your books, Jacqueline? Um, my books are sold, are available wherever books are sold. You can go to okay. bookshop.org, to Amazon, to Barnes & Noble. You can ask your local bookseller. They're distributed through all the major books. Congratulations on all of this, especially my name is Hamburger. I think it's it's really relatable to a lot of people and really cute, actually. Do you have any last minute thing you want to talk about or say? Please visit my website at JacquelineJewels.com to read more about my books. If you're a teacher, I have lots of teaching resources up on my up on my website. And there's also links to buy any of my books up on my website. So I hope you'll check it out. JacquelineJewels.com. Yes, I'll definitely put that in the show notes too. Jacqueline, I just want to say thank you for coming by on the show. And I, like I said before, I don't know how you have time to even carve out to talk to me, but I sincerely appreciate it. I get really excited when it comes to these books. And especially now that I have little nieces and nephews and I get to open them to a whole world of amazing books. So thank you for coming by. Thank you so much for having me. It was delightful to talk to you. Thank you. I'm going to go ahead and let you go. I look forward to seeing more and more, especially Trudy Hamburger, because I hope I hope this isn't it as far as your books about her, though. <laughs> um, I hope it becomes a series because I, I think it's fascinating. But I will talk to you later. Have a good day. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tell Me About Your Book. All the other information from this episode will be in the show notes. Please support indie authors as well as indie bookstores. And of course, the other podcasts, Books, Cats, and Snacks, where me and Caddy talk about all things books and, well, her cats too. See you then. Bye.